What's up, everybody? Just want to remind you to go check out RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. We got some t-shirts and some hoodies up, but also we have two basketball camps this month. They both will be in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Our first camp will be December 27th and 28th at the DuPont OPS facility. And then December 30th, we'll be at my high school, Southside High School, for a one-day skills clinic. So if you'd like more information or to sign up for camp, go to RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. You could also sponsor a kid or donate to camp at RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. If you need more information outside of that, just hit me up. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rayfield Davis podcast. Today we have a special guest. We have the hungriest college basketball insider, the host of the College Hoops Today podcast with CBS Sports, uh, John Rothstein. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for taking the time. Great to be here, man. Happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, no, I appreciate it. So I just want to curious, what have you seen from Purdue thus far this season? I know that's what everybody's going to want to hear from you and hear from us talk about. You know, a team that's obviously good enough to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and get to a final four in New Orleans. I think, you know, the one thing, you know, that we really need to highlight is the player retention on this team, especially in today's day and age of college basketball. It's very, very rare for players to be retained like they're being retained at Purdue. Everybody of significance is back from a team that was a four seed in the NCAA tournament. And you add, obviously, some capable players as well and guys like Caleb first. And what, what, where would you see this team growing? What way would you say th this one thing would stop them from reaching the national championship? It's a great question. I've been thinking about it a lot in the last couple of days. You know, when I was in West Lafayette during the preseason, I watched a practice. And, you know, in talking to Matt Painter, your former coach and the coach of Purdue, you know, the one area that, you know, probably has the biggest room for growth is the point guard spot. Now, Eric Hunter and Isaiah Thompson, very solid, great ball security, can keep flow of the offense. But there is not right now an all Big Ten caliber point guard on Purdue's team. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, we just need to be cognizant of. Can Jaden Ivey, you've got another All-American Travion Williams, and you got a burgeoning star in Zach Eady. So we don't need to throw a bake sale for Purdue. There's still plenty of answers there, you know, in the other areas of the roster. But right now, I think the question is, will the point guard play be good enough for Purdue to win enough games to get to the Final Four for the first time since 1980? Do you see anybody in the Big Ten specifically giving Purdue trouble? You know, I don't think there's a clear-cut challenger, but when you look at the landscape of the Big Ten, there's a lot of teams right now that are not going to be their full selves for a little bit longer. Ohio State's played great basketball, had that very big win over Duke and another good win over a very good Seton Hall team. Ohio State's playing without Justice Suing. Justice Suing was an 11-5 and five guy last year. They're playing without Seth Towns, who towards the end of last season looked like a critical reserve. So we're not going to see for a little bit the Ohio State that we envisioned at the start of the year. And look, I will say this too, and I really believe it. I believe that peak Illinois with a healthy Andre Curbelo has a chance to be the second best team in his league after Purdue. You know, considering the fact that Illinois did not have Kofi Coburn, you know, for the start of the season. And considering the fact that Andre Curbelo hasn't played for a month, it's very impressive that they're in the position that they're in right now. And here's another thing I want to bring up. You know, I think that we're so many, there's so many transfers now in college basketball. There's such a high volume that certain guys get left out nationally. 
there hasn't been a perimeter transfer in college basketball that's been as impactful to his team as Alfonso Plummer for Illinois coming by way of Utah. I mean, he has made multiple three-point shots in a consecutive number of games. He's been great at the foul line. He has helped bridge the gap for Illinois with all those injuries. So you, do you think the point guard play, and that's the reason I ask this, because I, I I would think Illinois as well. The point yeah. guard play at Illinois is such the strong guard play they have. Where do you see them going in, in the March? Because, I mean, as you, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, it's kind of a right. guard's game in March. No, no question, Rafael. And I think also another thing you got to look at is, you know, Illinois is fortunate enough to have multiple guys who can handle the ball and initiate the offense. Before Andre Carbello and Io DeSumo came to Illinois, their lead guard was Trent Frazier. Alfonso Plummer can also fill that role. And obviously Andre Carbello went healthy. And when he's the Andre Carbello that we saw last season when Io DeSumo was out of the lineup, is an all Big Ten caliber player. So I think the room for growth for both Ohio State and Illinois is extremely, extremely high if they can get healthy. No, no doubt. No, that makes a lot of sense. And just going back to Purdue a little bit, when you think about the big three they have, you named them Zach Eady, Travion Williams, Jaden Ivey. Where do you stack those players amongst the other greats in the country? Well, I think, you know, you have to look at Jaden Ivey right now as obviously being a first team, you know, All-American. And, you know, an interesting thing is, you know, Jaden Ivey is not obviously the primary point guard for Purdue, but he's second on the team in assists. First on the team in assists right now is Sasha Stavanovich. So they're getting good distribution from other guys who aren't necessarily setting the table on offense. Travion Williams is definitely a second or third team All-American with the way that he's playing now. And I think Zach Eady is somebody that again can grow into an honorable mention type All-American. And if he comes back to school next season, would without question be an All-American caliber player. They have three of the top, I would say, 20 to 30 players in college basketball. And obviously you've covered basketball a long time. You've seen a lot of players come and go. Is there anybody that comes to memory when you think of Jaden Ivey's game? I don't have a comparison yet. I don't just throw those out. I think what's interesting is you're looking at somebody there with the size he has at 6'4", 6'5", and with the way basketball is going, that could be a lead guard in the NBA to initiate offense. And, you know, Coach Painter has told me about this. He believes that Jaden Ivey can continue to improve defensively and has a chance not to be a good, but a great defensive player. But as I just referenced, you know, he's one of the leaders on Purdue and assists. Physically, he has the prowess to be a great defender. So the ceiling's really, really high for Ivey. And you speak about Coach Painter, and you think about what he's done to the, for the program the last few years. Kind of what do you think about what he's – like the retention and kind of how do you feel about what Coach Painter and the job he's been able to do? Well, you know, Matt Painter and I, you know, I, I talk to, to people about this all the time, has become the new Bo Ryan in a lot of ways. And I used to always tweet when Bo was the coach at Wisconsin – death taxes Bo Ryan because when Bo Ryan was the coach at Wisconsin and you know this better than anybody because you guys used to play against them and you can appreciate this Bo Ryan's teams when he was at Wisconsin never finished lower than fourth in the big 10 regular season standings they were that consistent and coach Painter has become that at Purdue because he's been so consistent with the product and you think about it you know we have seen the Purdue program lose great players and the product of the program remain at an elite level. I mean, in 2017, the program loses, you know, Biggie Swanigan 
And then in 18, you've got a team with Vince Edwards and Isaac Haas that, in my opinion, could have went to the final four had Isaac Haas not gotten hurt, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And then that team obviously lost a couple of pieces, but still the next year was one possession away from beating Virginia and going to the final four. So I think, you know, when you were able to replenish talent really, really regularly, when you lose really good players and the program doesn't miss a beat, similar to what we see every year with a program like Villanova or Michigan State, you know, you have one of the best programs in the country. And like a lot of people from the periphery won't say this, but I can say it because I've been in a Purdue practice and obviously I follow the program very closely. Is going to add and Brian would of how you are able to get sustainable success in a program like the Big Ten because you have players who are willing to step aside for a year in order to have a bigger role. We've seen that with Brandon Newman. We've seen that with Mason Gillis. Like Brandon Newman is a perfect example of a player who, when a guy like Jay Nivey goes to the NBA his role is going to be magnified. He's going to look like an all big 10 caliber player. Uh, that's interesting. You say that. And what are you, so I was thinking today and I was having this conversation earlier. Do you think Purdue's death could hurt them? Or do you think they have to shrink that, that lineup? Or when you think about a Brandon Newman going into a big 10 season play, do you think maybe he sees the court less with Jay Nivey playing a little more? Look, I know this from talking to coach painter he knew he had a really, really deep and really, really good roster, you know, in the preseason. But he also knew that he wasn't going to be able to play everybody the minutes that they deserve. That's why we're seeing a Trey Kaufman Wren and a Brian Waddell redshirt. But when you look at Purdue and you look at the guys that are coming off the bench as of now, because Travion Williams has moved back in the starting lineup, their bench right now, Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis, Zach Eady and Eric Hunter, those are four guys who are capable of starting. So Purdue, in essence, has nine starting caliber players when you look at their rotation. I think, obviously, it'll be really important to keep the rotation right there at nine. What do you notice when you uh, when you see the Rutgers game, when you see the first half, I mean, even half of the second half against NC State, what are those teams doing to Purdue? Because, I mean, they have all this talent. They have, I mean, obviously a great coach. But what do you see schematically? that you think could lead to beat Purdue? The scary thing about this Purdue team is the way it played offensively early in the season because, you know, Coach Painter's always had great offensive concepts, but, you know, Purdue early in the season was averaging 90 points a game. And that, you know, when you get into the guts of the winner of the Big Ten is not going to always happen. So I think, you know, the one thing, you know, I think you need to be cognizant of is are you going to play a team that has a ball control point guard who isn't going to turn it over that can really max out the shot clock on each and every possession. And this isn't a Purdue related transition, but you know, I know you cover the game really, really close. Think back to the Alabama UCLA game in last year's sweet 16, Alabama was a high octane team, explosive offensively. And they played a UCLA team with tiger Campbell who could control the game at point guard. And all of a sudden you're seeing 20 to 25 seconds used every possession it makes it harder to speed a team up in that regard. So you think about teams like Wisconsin, teams that play a slower brand of basketball, that's the type of team that could really lessen the game, shorten the number of possessions in the game, and make it more difficult for Coach Painter and Purdue to try and augment their offense to the highest level. 
Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I mean, I can definitely understand that. The pack line defense of a Wisconsin just slowing the game down. You yeah. don't, you don't beat Wisconsin playing your game. You try, you got to beat them playing their game because they're not. Gonna yeah, and they love it. And it, and, it, and Rafael, it's a, uh, it's forty-two forty, and they love it in Madison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of the toughest venues to go play in, in my opinion, too, because of the ice arena and all of that stuff. But when you look at this Purdue team and you look at them growing through the season. What are some ways that you want that you would like to see them grow or some things where you think they could get better at? Well, you know, obviously, you know, we talked about the point guard spot and so on and so forth. But I think, you know, in addition to that, I think, you know, can Purdue get another score off the bench in addition to whether it's Edie or Williams? And to me, that guy is Brandon Newman. Now, he's not getting the usage that he would be getting if obviously there wasn't a Jaden Ivey and a Sasha Stefanovic, because, you know, there are times that coach painter is going to use Sasha Stefanovic, like he used Ryan Klein a couple of years ago to try and get him shots. But if you can get, you know, a Brandon Newman to become a very, very consistent scorer and can be a guy who can come off the bench and get eight to 10 points a game in the big 10, that's really, really going to show when you go on the road. Because if you have a guy who can give you that offense on the road in addition to what you're getting in reserve from both Edie and Williams, you got a team that's good enough to get to New Orleans and win a national championship. Yeah, I like that. It makes sense. And when you think about Purdue over the years, the years you've covered college sport, college basketball, if you had to give me a top five, a lineup to win a national wow. championship of all the teams, who would you put on that team? So we're saying like the last, you mean the last 30 years, last 20 years? Last oh, let's do years? something fun. Let's do, um, let's do five. I mean, cause you, you would know. Let's do five from coach Katie's era and five from coach Painter's era that had to play each other and who will win. Let, let's do a blend. Cause I don't want to leave anybody out. <laughs> uh, I got you. I got let's you. Do a blend. I mean, you gotta say, I would say you have to say Glenn Robinson at the three, Robbie Hummel at the four. That's, I mean, this is, this is where it gets tough right here. All right. I would say, I'm going to write this down on my notepad real quick. <laughs> I apologize if I'm, uh, if I'm leaving anybody out, I'm going to say, give me Carson Edwards. Then, I mean, you have to have Glenn Robinson. And then I would go Robbie Hummel. And then I would go. I would go Carson Edwards and Etwan Moore in the backcourt. And I would go Glenn Robinson, Robbie Hummel, and Biggie Swanigan up front. I like it. I like it. I don't yeah. know if there's enough balls to go around, but I definitely like it on paper. Well, if we can't obviously have enough balls to go around and we need a glue guy, I'm going with Chris Kramer. Ooh, nice. I like it. Chris Kramer like was one tough guy. Chris came, Kramer or Dakota Mathias. No, no, I like it. it. Dakota will keep them together. I mean, he has the shooting ability too. Yeah, but you're right. This is, this is the high volume offensive team. <laughs> no, I got you. And then when you look at a team like Michigan State, obviously, I mean, they didn't come into the season. Brain yeah. didn't come into the season. It's being talked about. Now they're number right. 11 in the country. Do, do you think this is real? Do you see Michigan State making a run? Or how, is, how does that play out? You know, in addition to being in West Lafayette, you know, I was in East Lansing in the preseason too, you know, making my tour, visiting with different staffs and, you know, talking to coach Izzo, you know, but in the preseason, this is the type of team Remember in 2015, they were kind of off the radar all season. And then they were seven seed Travis Trice, 
yep. went, you know, on an incredible run in the tournament. They got to a Final Four, kind of came out of nowhere, and didn't have, you know, the vintage Gary Harris, Miles Bridges, Adrian Payne, Jaron Jackson-type talent. This team could be in the ilk and the chemical makeup of that team because you look at it, they have Gabe Brown, who's a proud veteran. I know Max Christie has a chance to be, you know, an all Big Ten caliber player, and I think eventually an All-American. I don't think he's there right now. But they're doing it by committee in a lot of different areas. Everybody knows how they're doing it by committee at point guard with Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard. But they're two five-men right now. Marcus Bingham and Julius Marble combined are equating to an all Big Ten caliber big man. Not individually, but combined. That's something interesting when you think about what they have going on. But they're deeper. They're better at point guard than they were. And they've got a lot of different guys who can come to the table. And that's one thing, and you'll understand this because you know the Big Ten inside and out, that makes them really difficult in conference play to prepare for. Because if you're preparing for Michigan State, who are you trying to take away when there's so many different guys who can have a really, really good game? Because, you know, most scouting reports this year on Purdue are going to focus on Williams, Edie, and Ivy. That's going to be the focal point. For a team like Michigan State, there is no focal point. That's tough to defend. No, I agree. I say the same thing. It reminds me of that um, Travis Trice. I said that I said that this morning, actually. It reminded me of the Travis Trice team because it feels as though people for don't understand how good of a coach Izzo is or they yep. don't want to give that respect. But you talk about Michigan State, you gave, talk about a little Illinois and Ohio State. Who else do you put in that bunch? Is Michigan – going to rise to where we thought they will be coming into the season or do you think they're just they've hit that wall you know I have been very very unimpressed by Michigan and you know one thing to keep in mind before we get into the guts of Big Ten play Michigan is going to return a game at Central Florida UCF to me is the sleeper team in the American Athletic Conference it's a very old team it's a team that has you know a lot of very good players in that league that's a very dangerous game for Michigan. So, you know, once I see Michigan on the road in that type of a setting, I'll have a much better gauge on just what Michigan will have in the Big Ten because that's a real true road game. And this is another alarming thing, I think, if you're Michigan. You go to play North Carolina and you're non-competitive, and North Carolina then goes and plays Kentucky and gets run off the floor. Now, this is a historically bad year in the ACC, but – I'm looking at this right now, Rafael, and I'm looking at the Big Ten, and I've said this, you know, if you are somebody like Chris Collins, who has been trying to find a way to get back to relevance and get back to the bubble, you look at the makeup of this league right now, especially in the middle, Michigan's a question mark. We don't know how good Rutgers is compared to the last two years. They've had some questionable losses early they had the great win over Purdue but they still have work to do to get back to the NCAA tournament you know you also have to look at Iowa as a team in transition losing Wieskamp and Garza now they've been obviously very explosive offensively but they're not obviously the type of team that we saw a year ago so if you're somebody like Chris Collins and you see those teams and you see Maryland obviously changing coaches mid-season there has never been an opportunity for a team like Northwestern or any other team that's really towards the bottom of the league to make the jump from 12 or 13 to seven or eight. And think about this too. Northwestern right now, okay, is eight and two. They're three and oh with Chase Audige in the lineup, who I think you would agree is an underrated player in the league. The two losses, Providence on a neutral court. Providence is obviously one of the better teams right now in the Big East. 
Wake Forest in overtime at Wake Forest when Audige doesn't play. Northwestern has got to get their next bye game at home. And then on January 2nd, they host Michigan State. They're 9-2, and two, in my opinion, going into that game. They've already won a game at Maryland. If Northwestern in this Big Ten can win the right eight games the rest of the way in conference play and be 9-11, and 11, they may have enough to get in. I agree. I actually had that same conversation with Trey Dips over the weekend in the studio. So um, he's yeah. really he's really excited about the Northwestern chances, and he kind of had all those factors a little bit as well. And if the so if you would so if you had to predict, obviously looking ahead, you got to go through conference play. But I guess midseason, how many teams from the Big Ten do you think can potentially get into the Big Dance? Well, again, I don't want to leave anybody out. So let's let's <laughs> you know we're, we're on Zoom right here. So all right, Purdue, Ohio State. Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Illinois are all locks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I'm just going to write them all out here so I don't want to leave it, leave anybody out. So just bear with me. Very good. Minnesota, Penn State, Michigan. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right, just want to make sure I don't miss anybody. Who did I leave out here? I'm looking at this league, Rafael, and I'm seeing these are the teams I would go with. Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, locks. And then I think, you know, Indiana, Michigan, Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota, all competing for bids. I think also when you look at the fact that we're seeing historically down years in both the Pac-12 and the ACC, I think the Big Ten's got an excellent chance to get eight teams in the NCAA tournament. I agree. I agree with that. It makes a lot of sense. And then, I mean, if the season ended now, this is another tough one. It's kind of putting you on the spot. First team all Big Ten, but I, I just need five. I, th- I don't know if they do. I know preseason they had ten, but yeah. You had to I, by five. the way, what, what, one of my biggest pet, fe- pet peeves is when they send out. I'm sure, and I tweet about this when it happens. They do preseason teams, obviously, and you know, <laughs> and like you know, there's like ten guys on it. Yeah, I didn't understand. I don't understand that. Uh-huh. I don't. Yeah. So right now, if we got to go five and just five, and this is really, really hard, but this is what we're going to do. Kofi Coburn, Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams, EJ Liddell, and Johnny Davis. That's a strong five. I like it. Yeah. Now, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. But it's like, it's really hard because how are you going to say Keegan, but not say Keegan Murray? Like, <laughs> <Exactly>. it's hard. <laughs> now, you yeah, see yeah. that Keegan Murray in that mix. And so are you – are you at all – I mean, obviously, everybody's a little surprised. What do you think about Minnesota's run and what they've been able to do with a group of transfers, a new coach, all of that? Great respect for, for Ben Johnson, who, again, had never been a head coach before and, you know, had dealt with some injuries to the team that he put together. You know, Isaiah Innan, you know, uh, was somebody who, you know, they were, I know, counting on. And he, you know, had a, a season-ending injury and so on and so forth. And, you know, one thing we have to remember, too, Rafael, is that this is a team whose top players all vacated the program via the transfer portal from last year. I mean, Gabe Kalsher's at Iowa State. 
you know, Liam Robbins went to Vanderbilt, Marcus Carr left, you know, and so on and so forth. So this is the Brandon Johnson went to the ball. So you have a completely new roster, completely new coach. And he's somebody again, that is usurping expectations very quickly. And, you know, they're a team again, too, that because of what they did in the non-conference portion of the schedule, they'll have a chance to play their way into the field. I like Minnesota. And I would much respect to Coach Ben Johnson, what he's been able to do. It's tough playing with a lot of new faces and no one really knows each other. So, no, I agree. And then just, I know, I mean, especially you look at what's going on today, game, Michigan's being canceled, games canceling. What do you kind of take from this moment? Does it remind you of when it all first started or where do you see it going? Yeah, you know, I first of all, I get alarmed because I worry about the health and safety for our players, for our coaches, but for everybody in society. So, you know, I feel really, really, you know, relieved in the last 72 hours that, you know, we've gotten the medical data that if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, if God forbid you get obviously, you know, COVID and this Omicron variant, that the symptoms are going to be asymptomatic or mild. So that's a good thing because there was, I think, fear a year ago, and now it's just, you know, a nuisance of sorts. But, you know, the question is this, is are we going to then go through a period eventually where we stop obviously feeling the need to test players who are vaccinated, who are asymptomatic? Now, if somebody doesn't feel well and somebody is positive, they should obviously be isolated and not near the team. But if it's proven that guys can, you know, obviously move forward and they're asymptomatic and they're vaccinated, I hope that we see obviously fewer cancellations that we're seeing right now. But the biggest thing and the most important thing is the health of everybody involved. And like I said, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty at the start of this pandemic from a sports perspective, it's become now just more of a nuisance and we'll get through it. But here's something that I've kind of adopted a couple of years ago. And I think it's really helped me get through life, not just in this area and everything. Do not worry about things you can't control. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. There are games canceled now almost every day, but if we can't control it, we can't worry about it. No, I agree. And that's the same thing I would say. But no, I appreciate you taking the time. Definitely talk about the Big Ten and Purdue. And I don't want to hold you up too much. But any anything else that you would like to leave Purdue on or leave a mark for the Boilermaker fans out there? You know, Purdue is one of the great fan bases in college basketball, and the fan base has been building for a season like this. And anything less than a trip to the Final Four is going to be considered a disappointment. So embrace that, relish it, and try a little bit from now until the end of the season just to enjoy each day because you never know when you're going to have a team this special again. Nah, I think everybody's going to enjoy that. Nah, especially coming from you. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy doing everything else, covering the whole entire country. But any um, anything I can do for you, please just let me know. But from us to you, thank you. For Boilermakers around the country, we appreciate the insights you give. Uh, boiler up, hammer down. Um, everybody out there, make sure you check out RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. Two basketball camps next week. We have our free basketball camp at Southside High School. And then we'll have our camp with the Fort Wayne Maddens at the OPS Fieldhouse. Thanks, everybody.